time as this, and uh, we appreciate, I don't say much often, but I get texts throughout the week from many of you saying how you enjoyed the message, how it spoke to you, and we appreciate those comments from time to time. Uh, So last week we saw the providential care of um, God, how he, standing in the shadows, was able to direct... uh, you know, the watch care over Esther and Mordecai and his people and just by simply directing the king to have insomnia one night and then the gentleman that he chose to read from the minutes of, you know, the king's uh, records uh, where he picked up five years later, it's just, it shows what an awesome God we have and you know we we sit here Nick and Naaman here this morning and talking about occupation as they finish up their you know their degrees and and everything and how that God directs us It, it it's an amazing thought to think that our God cares about each of us enough that he directs our steps right down to our occupation, to our our place of worship, and you just it just trickles right on down, and to every event in our life. So today we're going to continue from Esther chapter six. If you haven't read it, it's okay. Um, it's it we'll try to thread the story in and. The, the title of today's message um, gives, us, gives, us, gives us hope because what a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes when our faith, and I'm not talking about your trusting Christ, I'm talking about your day-to-day faith that God's watch care, God is providing, God is protecting, God is guiding When our faith that God is involved and our prayers about what that day-to-day events and the struggles look like and God comes together for our rescue. That's what happens in chapter 6 with Mordecai. And before I start, I want to pose you a question. And the question is, is God in charge of? Of our schedules. Is God in charge of our schedules? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a scheduler. I, I, I say that that device that I carry around replaced eight or nine different things in my life from a GPS to a notepad to just a phone, a, a pager, and I could go on and on. There was nine different devices that that took away from my life whenever I started carrying a a, a smartphone. And one of those was a schedule. I'm an itemized scheduler. I'm still an itemized scheduler. Every day I have a list of things that I take care of, and some call that OCD. I call it organized. Um, And so I personally believe that God is in charge of our schedules, that he is. And there's many examples throughout the Bible that we can go to and 
look at in his word of particular dire situations that we think from time to time, if, even if you read those and we look in our own lives, we think all is lost. And that though when we look at fine detail, we see the timing of God transpiring and it opens up to what a difference a day makes. Jonah in the belly of a whale and yet we find him a day later out on the bank preaching the gospel. Um, Many is the time throughout this Bible that we could stop on one particular day in the life of an individual and and it looks as if all is lost. They're not going to make it. There's no sense in going on. There's no sense in even trying because the odds are stacked against them. Uh, there's, There's just this only ideology that you need to give up and quit. And I'm sure that's the case of what Mordecai and even Esther were thinking. The king had signed a decree that all their people was going to be killed. And now on top of that, Haman has a scheme to which he's going to hang Mordecai. And it's just story after story that we as the followers of Jesus can be familiar with. Because it rings throughout all the scripture. I think of Joseph. Joseph cast in a pit by his own family. He was left for dead. And, and then, you know, it looks like he's rescued and he's placed in prison unjustly. And then he bef- befriends uh, Pharaoh's butler. And yet two more years pass. And... and before he ever is considered to be second in command. And you just look at those events and the schedule in Joseph's life and and all that transpires, and how many times would you have given up getting to that point? How is it that Mordecai and Esther had faith enough to believe and continue in the face of all odds stacked against them? And... God seems to always have a way of letting things get progressively worse before they even start to get better. It's like all's lost. We're we're doomed. Uh, No need to even think that things are getting better. Uh, I'm at wit's end. Nothing else to do. If I've heard that comment over the last nine or ten months, I've heard it a thousand times. There's just nothing else we can do. It really doesn't look good. And to whatever the situation. And when you think about that, that's usually a pretty good place to be. When we've come to our wit's end, when we've hit rock bottom, when we realize there's nothing else I can do, 
It's at that point that we put our faith in God to do the impossible. And you say, but preacher, don't but preacher, because it is there when we have nothing else to do that we tend to strengthen our faith, repent of our sins, pray, and put our faith in God to do the impossible. And we trust that he's going to do what's best for us in that time. Uh, I think of the birth of a child. You know, there's nothing like that to put your complete faith and trust in God that that child's going to be healthy. Because there you are in total inability to fix or change any situation. God's the giver of life. And we have to trust God at that time. And that's the situation because many, many, many are the examples in the scripture. It, it is... It is where we find Mordecai facing death and Esther, her people facing death in chapter 6. And I'll promise you, if you live long enough, no matter who you are, if you live long enough, you'll find yourself there. And if you're not there You'll soon find yourself there at some time in life. And it happens often. We get to the place that this is a losing situation, God. I think if any of us would be honest, we've all said that in the past ten months about the pandemic. This is just a losing situation. And I'll never recover from this. Uh... Or there's no way that I'll get through this situation. We all come to that point sometime in life, multiple times in life, and eventually in life if you haven't been there. However, it is in the midst of confusing times uh, and troubled world that we see David where he said in Psalms 51, or Psalms 31 and verse 15, he said, My times, speaking about the schedule, my times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. And if we ever could speak that we could speak that into our lives now that the enemy seems to be winning and yet after David read that if you read through you'll find out that he found peace in God's will when we pray when we believe when we trust what a difference a day makes we all can go to the story that many, many that are followers of the Lord, you know, or, or followers of Jesus, we know well. Martha and Dave, or Martha and Mary's, Jesus is four day late, four days late. But what a difference 
a day makes. When, when we've put our faith and our trust, our battle cry should not be four days late. Our battle cry should be there's daylight at the end of the tunnel. There's a difference that God's going to make in my life. In, in, and we just have to always stay on top of it. It's been said that God's delays are not God's denials. Just because the answer is not there today and all looks grim does not mean that God is not going to come through in the end. And we get impatient and we wonder why. We ask questions as to why are the wicked prospering and the righteous suffering. But God is never in a hurry, no matter our questions of dismay. And, and God, unlike most of us, is very long-suffering toward the wicked. Why? Because his desire is for everyone to repent. God is very long-suffering toward, toward the wicked. He is very patient, not just with believers, but unbelievers alike. And that is why it is called mercy. Because we are getting what we do not deserve, and the wicked also gets what they do not deserve when it comes to the place of salvation by grace. Because every one of us, if we got what we deserve, we would spend eternity in hell. It's our sins that place Christ on the cross. And we need to never lose sight of that. And if Mordecai was ever puzzled because the king had promoted Haman to a position above him and had ignored him, he will soon find out that God has not made a mistake. We think, God, you've made a mistake. You forgot about me. That God was in charge. And he was in charge of Mordecai's schedule. And he's in charge of our schedule and appointed times. And prayer and faith and trust always prevails. You see, when you think about the events of the day... It, God can almost be comical in the way he uh, orchestrates things. Here's Haman going in chapter 6 before the king to get approval to hang Mordecai because he would not bow down. And yet, the, 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 <laughs> you know, Haman is going to have to spend the day Honoring Mordecai, leading him around in, in the king's clothing, and rather than gloating that he had hung Mordecai and his corpse hanging from a gallows. If you look real close though, you also can see in this passage that God is actually showing mercy toward Haman and trying to get him to change his course of action and is giving him a fair warning that if he doesn't, you're going to be utterly destroyed. 
When we review the fine detail of this story and and, and our lives, we all must stop from time to time and praise God for his long-suffering. We all must stop and praise and thank God that he guides and directs according to his time, not according to our time, and that it's his will for our lives and not our will for our lives. Because what a difference a day makes. All that Haman had orchestrated and thought that he was going to bring to pass in this day against Mordecai turns turns on him in a 24-hour period. You see, the psalmist said in chapter 33 in verses 10 through 11, he said, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. We do well to quote that to ourselves often. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. It's the counsel of the Lord that stands forever and the plans of his hearts to all generations. I love the example that is set forth here by Mordecai in faith. Yes, his people had a pronounced massacre, annihilation, against them and yet when he's speaking to Esther in chapter 4 he 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 says relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews even if you don't get involved Esther can you hear the faith in that the trust in God God's going to redeem us whether you get involved or not Esther as the queen You may not survive, but God's going to redeem us. God's going to save his people from this annihilation. The confident faith that God was going to deliver. And then you see in Esther, her upbringing, she tells them to fast and to pray. And and it's, it's where she in fact turned first. It wasn't a plan as to, of action. It was you all fast and pray. I don't know if you've ever been so burdened that you fasted and prayed for a situation. But I can tell you it's in the quiet time of that fast where that your mind gets to the place of whatever it is that you're depleting from your life for a time period so that you can concentrate on a burden, that's where Esther was. She had her entire people fasting and praying. And the point of of being when faced with opposition, when the trials are overwhelming, when all is lost and seemed like there is nothing to do but quit and give up, it's at that time that our faith Our prayer, our fasting turns to trust because it needs not be our last resort. It ought to be our first resort. It should be our automatic default. I want to read you two or three verses of Scripture 
beginning with Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. It says, if God be for us, comma, who can be against us? Paul raised that question in the book of Romans, and yet Solomon had given us an answer in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. He said, the righteous is delivered from trouble, comma, and it comes to the wicked instead. That comma that's in those verses, as you read through, we find it often in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 12 says, Before destruction of the heart, before destruction the heart of a man is haughty or proud, and before honor is humility. The first half of that verse applies to Haman, and the last half of that verse applies to Mordecai. And I ask you, on which side of the comma do you live? Which side of the comma do you live? We as Christians must realize that being saved and secure and doing our best to live in the will of God, if God be for us, comma, who can be against us? (laughs) You've got to come to the conclusion That if God be for us, who can be against us? And if the righteous is delivered from trouble, it, comma, comes to the wicked instead. Before destruction of the heart of a man is a haughty or proud spirit. Haman was living there, and yet Mordecai, before honor, is humility. You see, we are living either as Haman or we are living as Mordecai in our Christian walk. This passage leads us to look in a mirror and ask ourselves the question, are we walking in God's will? Are we living by faith, praying and trusting God? Are we proud or haughty? Or do we have a humble spirit? Are we loving, long-suffering, meek, and in control of our hearts and minds as Mordecai was? Which side of the comma do you live? The more we ponder the character of these two men in chapter 6, we see the proud, selfish ambitions of Haman, and the more we see the humble, loving, compassionate, concerned, long-suffering of Mordecai. The irony that takes place in chapter 6, what a difference a day makes. God has orchestrated Haman, instead of hanging Mordecai, becomes his servant. Instead of the public humiliation 
of Mordecai, we see Haman and the people bowing down to Mordecai and honoring him. (laughs) That's the one thing that got Mordecai in trouble with Haman. He wouldn't bow down to him. Two statements and I'll close. The pageantry and the prominence did not affect Mordecai. He simply returns to his place, humbly at his gate, and continues to serve the king. I have found that applause doesn't change the humble because their values run so much deeper. They seek to honor God more than themselves. And that's the lesson that we see from Mordecai. Thus the difference between reputation and character. Haman was famous, a man of reputation and wealth because the king had made him so, but not a man of character. What a contrast between he and the humble servant, Mordecai. What a difference a day made in exposing who Haman really was and who Mordecai really was. It was at this point that Haman's wife and his counselors made an interesting statement to Haman. Chapter 6 and verse 13 says, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, You will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. His humiliation that Haman had faced in the streets, these words in his own house by his spouse and family and friends should have alarmed Haman to change his course of action. God was warning Haman. Mercy was being placed at his doorstep. Had he repented? Would we have seen a different outcome? One will never know this side of heaven. But bless God you can know. Because when God speaks mercy into your life and places mercy at your doorstep and gives you an opportunity to trust Him. To put your faith and trust in Christ. What a difference it can make in your life. When God sounds an alarm, as He did in the life of Haman, It pays to stop, to look and listen and obey. Saved or unsaved, Christian 
or non-Christian? What's God speaking to you about this morning? What form of repentance is God asking from you this morning? You better stop, listen, and obey. Because it can make a huge difference in your life by simply placing your faith and trust in Christ and asking him to take charge of that situation if you're a child of God. Or if you're unsaved this morning, it's simply putting your faith and trust in him and his death on the cross as a replacement sacrifice for you so that you can have eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, I pray you take the message. And if there's red lights blinking in the lives of our blinders, we can see the flashing yellow or the flashing red that the Holy Spirit of God has placed in front of us. I pray we stop and listen and obey.